Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Picky Bookworm podcast. As you know, every week I have an indie or self-published author on the show, and we chat about all sorts of things, books, life, all that stuff. Uh, This week I have A.E. Bennett. She is the author of a couple of books that we're going to talk about. And we had a a really interesting uh, way that we met on Twitter. So that'll be fun to talk about as well. As usual, grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. Bennett, how are you? I'm doing okay. Like, uh, you know, like I was saying, uh, we're fighting the heat. I know uh, everybody, I think, in the Northern Hemisphere right now is fighting the heat and doing that battle. So, um, but yeah, other than just trying to stay cool, you know, um, um, living life. (laughs) Yeah, just reading and writing and doing all that that, uh, creative author stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So you, the way that you and I met, I, I was thinking about that this morning uh, before we started recording. I, I just think it's absolutely hilarious um, because earlier this year, um, for a lot of people who may be new listeners, um, back in January, I had the wonderful idea, which it, it did actually end up being a wonderful idea, um, but it was fueled by ADHD impulsivity because, because I Sometimes had, that's the best way to, that's the way great ideas happen, right? I get some of the greatest ideas, but, um, you know, at the time I was still undiagnosed, still had absolutely no idea what it meant, but I had this, I mean, it was like on January 2nd, I have this idea that I'm like, oh, I'm going to do my own book awards this year. <laughs> Literally posted to Twitter and, you know, once I posted to Twitter and I'm like, hey, you guys, I'm going to do this. Then I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? I had absolutely no clue. And, you know, and I told my husband once I, uh, once March came around and I got my ADHD diagnosis and realized that's why a lot of my creative ideas tend to get going before I have any clue how Mm -hmm. to actually get them going. (laughs) Uh, It's like, do it now, figure it out later. Um, and so I had, you know, posted all of this stuff and I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? Uh You froze. Uh oh, did I really? You froze. I didn't freeze. You froze. Um, okay, so I am going to continue talking. Hopefully you can there you are. Um you you actually froze. Yeah, you froze. I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm moving just fine. Um, that was super funny. Um so I, you know, posted all of this stuff on Twitter and I went on Microsoft Forms and um got nominated you know got people to nominate books and got people to nominate categories and you know started all of this stuff and once we had reached the point of um people voting for the for the semifinals you and I met because every time I would tweet something out about the book awards you would quote tweet it and in all caps, you would yell at people to go vote. <laughs> and, I did feel a little enthusiastic about it. <laughs> and, it was, and it was so funny because I loved the enthusiasm and I loved the, um, you know, but I just, I thought it was so funny because that's how you and I met is that you would quote tweet about the mm-hmm. awards and you would yell at people to go vote. <laughs> and go vote, vote. 
it, you know, it was kind of, you know, kind of felt like the midnight howl kind of thing is, you know, I'm, I'm yelling something at you and then you're yelling at this other person and then, you know, and it just kind of moves on. Um, but that's kind of how it works in the world of yeah. Twitter is, you know, you meet all of these super interesting people in all of these super interesting ways and you kind of over time get entwined in their lives. And, you know, in my case, to the point that you can't imagine your life without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, and that was part of the reason why, you know, over time, um, the, I'm sure that people will, will realize, um, as they've listened to the older episodes and, and closer to the newer episodes over time, I've just kind of changed how I approach doing the podcast, um, mm-hmm. you know, change kind of what we talk about. And, you know, a lot of that comes with practice and a lot of that comes with experience. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I want you guys to feel, and by you guys, I mean indie authors, self-published authors, other bloggers. I want you guys to feel the same sort of sense of community and the same sort of sense of friendship Mm -hmm. that I Mm -hmm. have with you guys, Um, you know, and just kind of connect all of you guys together and and create this centralized space where Mm -hmm. you guys can come and go, okay, here's where we're safe. Here is where we are encouraged. Here is where we're seen. Um, and it's been a blast. Let me tell you, it has been an absolute blast being able to do this. Um, and have you guys listen, um, every week is just, it absolutely, absolutely blows my mind that people still listen to my podcast. I'm like, I'd have like 15 episodes and then, you know, whatever. Um, and no, it's, it's almost two years later and people are still listening. Um, and, and still, uh, loving all of the older episodes. So it's, it's a blast. So in the spirit of community and in the spirit of connecting you with all of these other authors in the way that you and I have connected, tell us just a little bit about you and about like how you started writing. Um, what inspires you, um, on a daily basis? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I've always had kind of an active imagination, I guess, even when I was like a little kid, you know, I would play with dolls and dinosaurs and um, I have a younger brother. And so he had a lot of transformers and Ninja Turtles. And so we would just play with each other's toys and I would make up all these stories, um, you know, with the, you know, when you play, when you imagine. Um, And then I started writing them down. Um, and you know, I have, I have stories like, you know, Barbie and Leonardo, the Ninja Turtle, you know, go out on a date or something. <laughs> I mean, it was very, it was, it was very silly stuff. I was a very oh little Oh my God, kid. that's fantastic. Um, okay. I need, I need to, I need to hear more about Barbie and a Ninja Turtle on a date. That's, <laughs> it's weird and bizarre, but it's like super funny. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I, I would I would do stuff like that. Um, the Little Mermaid came out when I was in elementary school. That was I don't really know why, but it, it like it hit all the buttons for you know seven eight year old me. So I did write a lot of mermaid stories as well when I was a kid, um, and so it just kind of like I've always been writing, which you know I think sounds a little cliche, but it's true. Um, and uh, then. I'm trying to remember how old I was. I was like a teenager and um, the Hellbop Comet came and it was like this huge deal. It was in the news. There were people who were, you know, joining cults related to the comet. And um, I remember all of that. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. And um, Newsweek, my parents got Newsweek when, when I was in high school and um, they had this huge article, like, what was the earth like 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago, I guess, or whenever the last time it came around. And, um, yeah, I guess it's every, it's every 2,000 years, I think. Um, I should know that off the top of my head. Sorry, I'm kind of nervous. I don't know why, <laughs> but I am. Um, yeah, so um, I started thinking, like, well, what's going to happen? Like, what's the world going to be like the next time the comet comes around? 
Um, and so, you know, I started doing a little bit of research on it. Um, and that's why my books take place in, um, it starts in the year 4385, which is when the comet is predicted to come around again. They don't know if that's the exact year, but, you know, it's my story and it's science fiction. So I can kind of do whatever I want. It's your story, <laughs> darn it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> You could have um, said so, it this yeah. year and have the Hellbop comic come around. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Science fiction um, fantasy means you get to do whatever the heck you want to do. So, yeah, but, that's the whole point. Um, yeah, so it started out, you know, I, I wrote, obviously, a million versions of this book. Like, there's a version where my four main characters, their names have never changed, but... There's a version where um, Leora is like, at, at one point I was like, I'm just going to kill off my main character. And, you know, that's, you know, I'm also a teenager and I'm like, depression, death, uh, everybody has to die. Um, so, you know, I was, I have a lot of different versions of the story. I have a version where, you know, Aurora and Eve have always been twins but then one of them turns evil and like it, it got very, very silly and very, very dramatic at some points. But then I finally did back in, I think it was like 2018 or 2019. I finally got like quote unquote serious about self publishing and I found an editor and we worked through the script or the, the manuscript together um, and turned it into something that I think it's, you know, actually readable now and believable um, versus, you know, past, past versions, which were either very juvenile or like I said, like characters would just randomly die for no reason. So, um, so basically you, um, you were writing the walking dead before the walking dead was around. I guess I'm not a, that familiar with walking dead like i know there's zombies but i've never seen the show <laughs> so so one one of the the running jokes that has been around um for the walking dead is no one is safe ah uh, okay yeah um because i mean they would have throughout the show um and obviously if you've never seen the show um and you're ever interested in seeing the show i'm not going to spoil it for you but throughout the the show and my husband and I are think are I think we've reached season six um and there's 10 10 like 10 or 11 seasons um but oh, we've, wow. we've gradually been buying the digital um seasons on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime um and it I mean just there's a couple of characters that I believe um make it from the beginning of the show to the end of the mm -hmm. show without dying um but just you know in this one show this one character would die and you'd be like um okay so they're gonna come back as a zombie right and then no they <laughs> no they'd be dead and they would just never come back and then you know a couple shows later a couple episodes later somebody else would die that would you would think would be a main character and you'd be like <laughs> what the heck is going on? And yeah. it was just pretty much like that. And they would they would kill off main characters and they would bring in other main characters and then they'd kill those off and then they'd bring other mm -hmm. and so the the show, the cast is constantly in flux and it's constantly mm -hmm. changing. And um, you know, but again there there are a couple of characters from what I understand that do remain the same from beginning to end. Um, I'm actually really curious now to figure out if that's true. <laughs> but from what I understand, there is just like one or two, one or two characters that do remain remain the same and remain in the show from beginning to end. But yeah, that's been like a running joke. Uh, is that gotcha. no, one, no one is safe. Um, and when you were talking about your book and and talking about you know I'm just gonna kill my main character. It's just kind of what that reminded me of was was the whole no one is safe because. You know, if you kill that main character, then you have to bring in one of your others oh, and sure. make them the main character and then, you know, maybe kill them off. And then, you know, so it's, you know it, it creates this um, interesting uh, revolving door in a storyline mm -hmm. um, and allows the directors and the writers to be uh, really creative in how they mm -hmm. um, run the story. And I think that's a lot of the reason why 
the show was 11 seasons. Yeah, um, yeah. Because if it was the same group of, group of people in a post-apocalypse, you know, a post-apocalypse zombie mm-hmm. outbreak, <laughs> um, it could get really boring really fast. Um, sure. So I, um, I think that's kind of funny that you... <laughs> <laughs> decided you were going to kill off your main character. Well, I, I will say that, you know, the, the four are safe in book one. Um, you know, that I don't think that that's spoiling anything. <laughs> you make no but, promises um, for book two, though. <laughs> I make no promises for the future. That is correct. <laughs> okay. Um, well, real quick, um, your book, it's book number one in a series. Um, you also do, you also said you have a prequel out um but i am i'm gonna read the blurb real quick for book number one so the readers can um get a get a sense of it um it's 508 pages holy crap okay it's a chunk um you know okay so um just real quick a small little tangent Um, I was, um, I've been doing a lot of research on book marketing and, um, how authors market their books and, and easier ways, uh, for self-published authors, especially to market their books and, and offer tips and, and stuff like that. And I was reading an article that, um, actually said the trend towards, the longer books, the five, six, seven, eight hundred page books, it's actually trending up. People are are looking for those longer books. Um, or if the books are shorter, they're looking for longer series. Um, Mm -hmm. so because the, um, in the article, um, referenced, um, and these are, are not books that I would recommend people read. Um, if you have it by now, chances are you probably won't ever. Um, but one of the things that they brought up in this article was there's a reason that the Harry Potter books grew longer as the series went on. Mm-hmm. Um, because when people were reading those books, they were enjoying being in that world and they wanted to stay in that world as long as possible. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that your book is 508 pages is actually a good thing um, because people, because that's actually trending towards those longer books. Uh, because when people find a world that they love and find a world that they are enjoying inhabiting for a little while, they want to stay there and they want to like okay. hang out in that world for a little while. Um, so yeah, it's um, the trend is, is actually growing towards um, longer books and longer series. So hey, there you go. You're, you're I have no working. idea when this series is going to end. So <laughs> I don't know how many books there are going to be. It's going to um, be more than two. Well, five, 508 pages is you're actually working within, um, current marketing trends. So there you go. <laughs> okay. So here is the blurb real, real quick. Um, the name of the book is gathering of the four. It is book one in the, Cerulata Saga. Um, we, we will figure out if I pronounce that correctly here in just a second. Um, in the realm, every citizen knows their place. Leora of May is a young woman orphaned at birth and raised on a remote farm. As a wielder of Xanth craft, her abilities set her apart from her adoptive family and the other villagers. Shortly before her 20th birthday, she learned of her family's plot to sell her into servitude. Fearing for her life, she flees from the only home she's ever known, defying societal conventions and breaking the edicts of the realm. As she runs, Leora meets Roland Shallowbrook, a traveler on the Thieves' Road, Lady Aurora Verte, daughter of a powerful member of the gentry, and the white rider Leopold, a soldier with a secret. Together, this found family will have to band together to survive. Set in the distant future during the return of the Hale-Bopp Comet, Gathering of the Four is the first book in the Serulata Saga. So, I kind of need to read this book now. <laughs> I, I swear, my TBR has grown exponentially mm-hmm. since yeah. I started this podcast. Um 
just from getting to talk to the authors and, and reading all of these blurbs, I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to get to all of these books, but nope. gosh darn it, I'm going <laughs> to try so hard to get to all of these books. Um, so you, um, you had mentioned that you are just really curious about um, what the world would be like when the Hillbop Comet came back. Um, what inspired like the rest of the, um, was the rest of it just random ideas that came to you? And what in the heck is Xanth craft? <laughs> so the, um, uh, I guess, so I'll start with the world first. Um, and I was very into, I still am. Um, but when I, especially when I was a teenager, I was really into, um, fantasy, but, at the time, I was a teenager in the 90s. And so at the time, there wasn't a lot of fantasy for people who aren't white men. <laughs> like, um, you know, it was a lot of, you know, especially sword and sorcery fantasy. It was the protagonist is male and, you know, the women are side characters and maybe there's an elf and maybe there's an orc. But it was, Or they're, or they're I, the, the wenches and the, and the barmaids. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I was so, a teenager I, in the '90s as well. I totally get it. Okay, so, so you, you get, it. you feel me, and I so I wanted to create a world where there were strong women characters, where queer people exist, and um, you know, people with different skin colors exist. It's not just you know white people, white men running around with swords, and so um, that is one part of my series. Um, there's all different types of people. Um, all different identities, sexualities, genders, races. Um, I just didn't want my world to be 100% white. Um, and uh, I also <clears throat> was toying around with the idea of, okay, everything's falling apart. And because, you know, again, mopey teenager, <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was like, I hate the suburbs. I hate this. I hate that. Yep. Angst. Um, All that teenage angst. <laughs> <laughs> so much teenage angst. And so I always wanted my world to be kind of dystopian in a sense, like things have fallen apart. And then, of course, we got closer to Y2K. And so I started thinking about, well, what if Y2K actually happened? So that's kind of a part of the world as well. Um, the basic premise is that Y2K does actually happen. Um, there's a huge world war in the early 2000s and things just kind of fall apart. Like society itself breaks down all across the planet. And so because it's, you know, thousands of years in the future, I was like, I'm free to do whatever I want. And so Pretty much. this place, the realm is a country uh, that would be like, I guess, the mid-Atlantic United States. Um, shockingly, like, takes place in Washington, D.C. because that's where I live. <laughs> so, shocking. Shocker. Um, so, and um, just to, to, because, you know, we're obsessed with the, the cherry blossoms here, that's what the Serolata saga is. Serolata is the Latin word for cherry blossom. Um, it's like the, the Latin biology name um okay. and so you know i kind of played around with that um they're randomly just everybody in the realm is obsessed with fairy blossoms they're pretty trees they but pretty it's, like, trees, it's, against yeah. the, it's against the law to hurt one of those cherry blossoms um i always see tourists come to dc and they're like climbing in the cherry blossoms and i'm like stop it <laughs> they're, they're living things um so that was just like a quirk i threw in but yeah so the realm is um, a country that's cut off from the rest of the what used to be the United States. Um, and uh, there's a border, like a huge wall made of plasma. This is where the science fiction comes in. Um, because I think if you made a wall of actual plasma, you you know, irradiate something or it would be very hot and very hard to control. Um but yeah, so there's this huge plasma wall that separates the realm from everything outside. And nobody in the realm has been outside of the border for over 300 years. 
but the four are going to try to get outside the border. Um, so I don't want to give away too much because oh, no. I do want folks to, to read the book. But um, yeah, that as from the description, uh, they're all outcasts in society for different reasons. And so, um, yeah, the, uh, they got a band together and uh, messed stuff up <laughs> to, make, Any, to make positive Anybody <laughs> who has been a misfit at any point in their life um, can definitely relate um, with the banding together with other misfits. Um, I think, I think that, um, part of that is why the indie community is so tight knit, um, Mm -hmm. so tightly knit, um, is because I'm, I'm sure that we have all felt like misfits and outcasts at Mm -hmm. one point or another, um, in our lives. Um, and, you know, and that's part of the reason why I love building this community um, mm-hmm. is because we've all felt like misfits. We've all felt like we didn't belong. Um, and, you know, this way I can give you guys a place to feel like you belong. Um, yeah. And it's it's super fun for me. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun, but it's, it is super fun for me. And I, I love um, every second of it. So, um Okay, so we have talked about your book that I desperately need now. Um, I believe your book was actually nominated at one point um, for one of the Picky Bookworm Awards. Um, I'm really sorry now that it didn't win. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but there's but there's always next year. Um, because I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the um, and you're happy to to scream into the void um, for people to go vote. Um, I, I will say that I am already um, coming up with categories uh, for next year's book awards. Oh, awesome. Some of them might be the same. Some of them will not be the same. Um, I have one. I was telling my friend Gabe, um, he and I record a uh, podcast, an alien fan ca- alien alias fan cast um, every week. And um, I was telling him one of the categories I thought of, I was <laughs> I'm so excited about this one. Um, but it's this ship has sailed. And it's uh, and it's for the best breakup scene. Oh wow. Oh, Isn't that's that good. such a great I category. I'm so yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I am so absolutely so fat, so just happy with that one category. I'm like, I have two other categories. I'm happy with them too, but I'm like this ship has sailed. That's just like my, it's just like the ultimate. I don't think I'm going to get a category like better than that one. So, um, but we'll see. Um, oh, that's I, exciting though. I am I'm so sure. glad you're like sticking with it. I thought it was such a good idea. And I mean, you know, you saw, I was like, yes, go vote, you know? And I just, it's like, there's so many, um, awards out there that are just for, you know, the main publishing houses or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, as an indie, just seeing that, it's kind of hard sometimes. It's like you you struggle to get your stuff out there, and you then struggle to get people, like with marketing. I'm terrible at marketing. I'm just like, hey, buy my book, whatever. Um, and so I <laughs> so think many authors it's, are, yeah. It's awful trying to, you know, get any sort of recognition. So I thought it was an awesome idea. And yeah, I mean. It, ADHD fueled impulsivity. I'm just saying. <laughs> I am like not even joking about just how incredibly impulsive it was um because if you i i don't think you'll ever want to scroll back that far um but if you scroll back to like the beginning of january and you look at my tweets the first tweet you see about the picky bookworm indie book awards is literally that's the day i had the idea (laughs) (laughs) and i just decided i'm like i'm gonna do this I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so much fun that, yeah, I definitely want to stick with it. Um, but the, um, the reason that I am saying that there's always next year uh, for your book is it's the, the way that I have the um, Indie Book Awards set up is it's for books that you have read in the previous mm, okay. year. So it's, you know, so when people go and nominate, um, 
books for the for the various categories, those are for books that they've read. So it can be a backlist book. It doesn't necessarily nice. have to be a book yeah. that was published in the previous calendar year. Um, it's just simply you nominate a book that you have read um, in mm. the previous year. And I think that's a little bit of what sets my awards apart mm -hmm. from some of the others. Um, because a lot of the others, um, there are various indie book awards out there. They are very few and far between. Um, but one of the things that I decided from the front and from the very beginning was these will always be an award that somebody is proud to have. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I don't ever want it to be something that was like, Oh yeah, I have this award, whatever. Um, you know, I want them to be excited about it and I want them to be yeah. proud to have this award. So that's why I'm super excited about coming up with like some, some really unique yeah. um, categories like this ship has sailed. I'm like, when I thought of that, it just absolutely blew my mind. I'm like, my brain just like exploded in my head. Um, and then of course went back together, but um, so that's, yeah. So, um, there's always next year. So if people have read your book yeah. from January <laughs> to December of 2022, um, the 2023, um, book awards, you may find yourself nominated again. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start yelling, screaming into the void to go vote again. <laughs> um, okay. So we have um, some, when you did your, um, request form, um, just, I'm going to plug this just real quick on my website, the slash podcast. If you scroll to the bottom, you will find a form where you can actually request to be a guest on the picky bookworm. Um, uh -huh. and it's open to authors. It's open to bloggers. It's open to pretty much just anybody who wants to come and talk about books. Um, so yeah, if you will go there, um, you can request to be a guest. You do not have to wait, um, for me to attempt to find you on Twitter. because <laughs> There's a lot of you guys out there and the algorithm is not always friendly, um, to introducing me to new, um, it's not. New authors, there's some so. people that I'm like, Oh, I wonder what happened to that person. And then like days later, I'll see a tweet by them. And I'm like, Oh, they're, they're around. They're around. Just Twitter yeah. doesn't think that they're need to be in my feed for some reason I don't I, know why <laughs> I over the past probably three or four months and I have mentioned this uh, actually several times um, in the past couple of weeks um, but one thing that I have learned about Twitter is Twitter shows you what you engage with mm, yeah so mm. if you know so for example and I, and I use this to explain why I am super careful about who I reply to or super careful yeah. about, um, you know, if I, if somebody is, is, has tweeted something out that I find, um, just really negative. Um, and if I comment on that, even to tell them that they're being negative or they're being toxic, Twitter's algorithm is dumb enough that it's yeah. going to think, oh, you replied to this person, so you want to see more from them. Right. Yeah. So, the yeah, the Twitter gods and the Twitter algorithm, they are dumb in that respect. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's very much an AI. But, you know, so I will be very, very, very careful about who I reply to. I will be very careful about what I engage with okay. because Twitter will show me more of what I have engaged with. If I haven't talked to somebody in six months, they're probably not going to show up on my Twitter feed. I have to go, yeah. I have to go find them and, you know, comment on a couple of their tweets and engage with them deliberately. And then mm -hmm. that lets the Twitter algorithm know, Hey, you want to see more about this person? So it's, and when you get past, I would say probably 3000 followers, you're going to see maybe 20 people right. out of, yeah. out of everybody that you're following. So you have to, you know, when it comes to Twitter, you have to be really deliberate 
in who you choose to engage with and Mm -hmm. who you choose to talk to because that is who Twitter's going to show you more of. Um, So, yeah, it's crazy and completely annoying and part of the reason why I started my discussion forum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was another one of those impulsive um, things that I'm still waiting for it to take off. But... um, you know, it's impulsive ideas are sometimes some of the best ones. So even when I have one, I leave it alone. Uh, okay. So, um, you, when you sent your podcast request form, you gave me three book recommendations and I just held up two fingers, three <laughs> book recommendations. Wow. I can count. I promise. Um, And so we're going to talk about them just real quick. We have just under 30 minutes um, left on our recording. So um, we've got plenty of time to talk about these books and um, talk about why you like them so much and you wanted to to recommend them. So um, the first one is Bound by Kat Kinney. What is that one Uh, about? I love this series. So A, Kat Kat and I are friends on Twitter and... um, She's a very, very supportive uh, fellow indie author, and um, she has this series. It's Texas Shifters. So, um, oh, you got me at Shifters. Yeah, it's paranormal shifter romance, and um, this is the third book in the series. And I recommended it because it was it's the latest book I read. Um, so, so you're so you're actually book. recommending the whole series. I am. Yes. Okay. Yes, and, and you do have to start with book one. They, they're really not standalone books. You do need to, you know, um, read all read all of them. I believe book four is coming out, I want to say this fall maybe, um, but book four is coming. Um, and so it's a family of brothers. They're the Caldwell brothers, and um, they're, I don't want to say it, I'm trying not to give too much away, but I'm trying to pump this series up. Um, but they are werewolves. And so um, they're romance books. So um, this latest one is um, West Caldwell. He's one of the, one of the Caldwell brothers. Um, and um, he is literally bound to um, this other man named Topher. And so it's uh, very much like a will they or won't they uh, book. Um, and it's, uh, there's a lot of, uh, romantic tension involved. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and all three of the books, <clears throat> excuse me, my allergies are acting up today. I don't know what my problem is. Um, it's just totally get it. Global climate yeah. change all over the place. Um, yeah. So this, this is great. Cat's great. And this one I thought was especially uh, steamy. <laughs> so um, I really enjoyed it. Um, so but yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this series. Um, so I have, so I have a question. Is it, um, is it all um, like same gender romance or is it like a little bit more diverse in that, you know, this one brother is, you know, with this other woman and then this brother is with, so it's, so it's diverse in the, the sexuality of the characters. Yeah. Yeah. The first two are men and women. That actually makes it sound like they're polyamorous. They're not. (laughs) (laughs) The first two books are one, one man, one woman. Um, And then this book is uh, two guys. And I think the next book, I'm not sure. I think the next book is male, female too. So, uh, we'll see. So there's, so there does seem to be some, some diversity in the characters. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned, um, polyamory and, um, as soon as you did, I, this book like popped in my head. I, um, as a proofreader slash editor, I had to work on some interesting books. Um, and I had an author contact me a while ago, um, and ask me to proofread her book. And it was, uh, the name of the book is Their Wife for One Year. Um, I'm going to talk about it because it's already been published. Um, But but one of the things that she asked was, um, do you work on erotica? And I was like, 
I don't review typically erotica on my blog. I was like, mm-hmm. but when it comes to proofreading or editing, I was like, it's a different part of my brain um, that I engage um, for sure. that part of it. I'm not necessarily just reading it to review. Um, right. I'm reading it more analytically. I was like, so yeah, I'll, I'll totally read it. Um, and it's um, this woman, she moves back to her hometown and um, runs into an old high school friend of hers. And he has, um, he takes her out one night and he sits her down and he says, I, um, I need to make an arrangement with you. And she's like, okay. And he said, I'm gay and I'm in a relationship with this man. Um, but my grandfather who, you know, who left me the ranch that we, that I live on has told me that if I don't get married to a woman and stay married for at least a year, um, I will lose everything. The whole, the ranch will be taken from me. Um, and he was like, I am, um, he was, you know, he basically asked her, will you enter into this, this marriage, Mm -hmm. um, with me so that I can keep my ranch? And, you know, she's like, you know, attracted to him, of course, because he's, you know, tall and dreamy. Um, and then she, um, you know, once they get, they get married very quickly, it's a marriage of convenience. And then she meets her husband's boyfriend. Falls for him, too. Dun, dun, dun! Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> um, and so it's, um, it's one of those uh, polyamorous uh, relationships um, that I thought was done very well. I am not used. Oh, nice. I am not used to those kinds of books. Um, I don't read very many of those books. I don't actually even read very much romance. Um, but I thought it was done well. If somebody could come along and read it again. It is their wife for one year by Hope Parker. If you read it, you find problems with it. Please let me know. Um, I would really like to um, to know if I accidentally read something that's problematic. Um, but in my straight cis woman opinion, I thought it was done well. Um, being, I mean, it. I mean, the one of the things that I really liked about it was it approached the um, do you know if I'm if. I'm a woman and I'm in a relationship with these two men who are also in a relationship with each other. So you're, you know, you're creating this, this kind of odd triangle sort of thing. Um, Does all of our, do all of our sexual um, encounters have to be all three of us at once? It, you know, and that's one of the things that the, that the book approached. Um, I thought, again, I thought it was done well. There, there could have been problems that I didn't realize. Um, so yeah, if somebody ever reads it and let, you know, please let me know if there were actually problems with it that I was not aware of. But, um, I do think if you like those sorts of books, um, that, that might be one to check out again. I I do not read very many, um, erotic books. I read very Mm -hmm. little romance. Um, but I did read that one. I came across it the other day. Um, and realized that it was published. And once I realized it was published, I'm like, oh, I can't talk about it now. Okay, sweet. <laughs> so, okay. So book two um, that you recommended is The Master of Time by Tally yes. Morgan. You sound really excited about this one. So, yeah, this is another great series. Um, it's a duology. And then this book, they wrote this book, um, Oh, you froze. I guess they say companion novellas. So um, it's it's a short book. I feel like you probably have to have read the other two. Um, again, I mean, I'm a super fan of Tally. They're great and um, super great friend of mine too um, on Twitter. Um, and this is uh, one of the characters. I guess she's a side character. Lilia Noor is the, the main character in this book, The Master of Time, and she's um, a companion to the two main characters in um, The Oracle Stone is the first book um, in this series. 
Um, and Lila's kind of, she's such a great character. Um, she kind of pokes and prods the other two characters and gets them out of their comfort zones. I like um, that. And yeah, she's, she's just such a great character. And so when Tali was like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, write this companion novella, I got very excited about it. Um, and it is a novella, so it's a short read. Um, I read it in like a Saturday afternoon. I sat down with it and read it. Um, and it's great. Uh, it's fantasy. Um, so uh, the, the world is like, there's magic and there's demons and there's monsters. Um, so it's not our world at all. Well, <laughs> there are monsters <laughs> in our world, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just can't say enough good things about it. Um, and if you're into fantasy, this series is for you. So I would definitely encourage people to check it out. Okay, awesome. Um, I am going to real quick make a note that um, the trash people are here and they are outside. So if you hear a lot of thumping and a lot of just like really loud noises on the recording, it is not me. Um, they're usually out there at like seven o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. It's not usually this late. Um, and they are literally, I mean, like 50 feet from my window, from my wall. So, um, and they don't ever care if they're being too loud. So if you do hear all of those noises, it is the trash people outside, um, being not very nice people. So, um, trash people. <laughs> you would think that they would have done it like early, early, early in the morning when it was cool outside. They wouldn't have waited until one o'clock in the afternoon when it's 93 degrees. Yeah. Um, that makes no sense to me at all. So, um, okay. So book number three, um, I love this author name. I don't know if, um, the, if it is a pen name or not. If it's not, I absolutely love this name. Um, it is Mighty Quill by Emmeline Strange. Yeah. I love that name. That is so much fun. This, yeah, it, uh, fantastic. Again, uh, I know all these people from Twitter, so just kind of, you know. Most, that, uh, most of my books <laughs> honestly come from Twitter these days. So, yeah, I totally yeah. get it. Um, yeah, so this one is also a paranormal shifter romance. Um, it's, uh, um, two male characters, uh, getting together. They're college age. So it's a little young, you know, romance. Uh, so it would be, it would be new adult probably. Yeah, I guess that, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, um, well, I don't, I mean, it is, um, super steamy. So I don't really, it, it, is new adult allowed to be? Steamy. I'm so bad with book categories. I'm well, just new, like, new adult. New adult is typically readers who are night like eighteen to like, uh, okay. like yeah, this is to like twenty five. Um, if yeah. it's if it's that steamy, it might actually be adult. Yeah, this is so, just adult then. Okay. Um, the characters are younger; they're in college, um, and the main character Cassian uh, is uh, you know typical like. 20 year old trying to find himself trying to break away from his family that they're like you have to be this way and he's like no but i'm actually this way um and uh again i'm trying not to say too much because i don't want to spoil anything for anybody um but he eventually like or he moves in with a roommate and they uh, fall for each other, um, and um, lots which were, and lots which of, we're so surprised by. I know, right? <laughs> lots of steamy scenes, um, but there's also a lot of heart in this book, which is why I really like it. It's not just um, oh, we're gonna hook up now. Uh, there's a lot of like emotional growth that the the characters go through, um, and. You can really, with this one, this book especially, out of all the three that I recommended, you can really feel the two characters, like, love each other. Which, you know, I read a lot of romance. It's kind of like my escape. And there are some romances where you're like, okay, get to the steamy part. Come on. <laughs> but um, 
or if you're, or if you're like me, okay, skip the steamy part. Yeah. <laughs> um, this one is, this book is very much like, like there's, there's steamy scenes, but then there's also like tender, loving moments between the two characters. Um, and like I said, there's also, um, from beginning to end, there's a lot of character growth as well. Um, so yeah. And then there's the, the paranormal aspect. Um, so there is magic, there's shifters, um, and there's, uh, a mystery to this one too. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away. Um, and the description on Amazon is also kind of short too. Um, because I think this one especially is like, if you know the genres for you, the less you know about the plot going in, the better. Oh um, yeah. I, I love that about, about some books. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I <laughs> highly recommend, but can't really, I don't want to say too much about it. <laughs> you know, there are so many reviews that I write on my blog that I'm like, this book is good. Go buy it. <laughs> and that's like, <laughs> you know, it, it almost feels like that is the, the, the height of my review because I'm like, I, I can't tell you like very much about yeah. it. Just, I can tell you that it's really good and I can tell you that you should read it, but that's it. Um, but yeah, speaking, speaking of, um, not reading blurbs before you go into books, um, my friend Leia Talon, um, she actually, became a friend of mine through um, proofreading and editing her, her duology for her. Um, but she came to me to, um, to proofread her second book and decided through our, um, through our talking that in order to make both of her books consistent with the same proofreader, she wanted me to go through her first book as well that had already been published. So I start with book one and I read through it and I get to um, get to a certain part in the book and I DM'd her on Twitter or I emailed her or something. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I was just absolutely heartbroken and just, I mean, just absolutely practically in tears. I was just so upset. And she was like, yeah, I probably should have told you to read the blurb before you read the book. Cause that's actually in the blurb. And I'm like, okay. And then I get, you know, and then, you know, of course I don't go read the blurb at this point. Cause I'm like, I'm already halfway through the book. And then I get to another point in the book and I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I get to the end of the book. And when I get to the end of the book and I'm like, I'm very deliberately not saying like, anything about mm -hmm. this book because I this is one of those books that I think everybody should read um if you like fantasy um read it just just read it if you like romance read it I, it's just it's an absolutely beautiful story um but when I got to the end of the first book I emailed her and I'm like I am so glad that I get to read book two right now because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, book I really one. Oh my god, book one, and it was—I mean, the whole thing was just—it was such a roller coaster. But it was—it was that heart-wrenching roller coaster that made you not want to stop reading. Yeah, it just—you yep. know—it was one of those books that it just grabs you, does not let go. And when it's done with you, it throws you against the wall like a limp noodle. I mean, it's just, it's one of those books. Um, but the name of the duology is Roots and Stars uh, by Leah Talon. Book one, I know for sure is out. Book two, I believe is either out or on pre-order. Um, but book one is Falling Through the Weaving. And book two is Dragons in the Weaving. And it's the Roots and Stars series oh, duology I'm looking, at it. I'm looking for it on amazon right oh, it's on oh my god they're oh they're such gorgeous stories and the the writing is very lyrical um nice it's yeah she actually uh was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and um she used to be a songwriter um which is oh, wow. which is part of where the um the lyrical um, aspect and the, the style of her writing comes from absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah, you're probably reading the blurb of, of book one right now and you're going, I, yeah, purposely I, did <laughs> I, 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 
this, it might be, it might honestly be one of those books that you should go in completely blind like I did. Um, just because there's some things that you, from the blurb, would know to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, when I went in blind, it hit me like a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I was not expecting it at all. So, um, yeah, if, uh, Leia, if you're listening, you might consider changing your blurb. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Maybe she wants to give people a little bit of warning. Um, but anyway, okay, so we have about five minutes left. Um, and I want to real quick ask, um, before you tell people where they can find you online, um, I try to um, ask every author that comes on here, do you have any writing tips, any pieces of advice that have worked for you over the years while writing your books that you think any new authors uh, would get some use out of? So I made a huge mistake when I first released Gathering of the Four last, it was April, 2021. I was very excited to get my book out there and it had already been edited And I was like, well, I don't need a proofreader. I'll catch all the mistakes myself. (laughs) Yeah, no. No. And so the first It's why I have a job. (laughs) Yeah. And and so, so, you know, my editor, the person that I was working with, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, I can do proofreading for you. And I was like, no, you know what? I I write for a living. Like, I, I edit other people's work all the time. I'll just do it. And they were like, oh, okay, you know, do what you want. And so there is a version of Gathering of the Four out there that is uh, full of mistakes (laughs) and typos. And there's a couple instances where the grammar was just like, oh, this is just going to be a run-on sentence now. Um, So I did actually get it professionally proofread. And the the edition that is out now is cleaner and, and much better. And there's no typos. There's hopefully, knock on wood, we got rid of all the spelling mistakes and the errors and everything. But I will say the having a good editor and a good proofreader is priceless. You cannot do it yourself, young writer, person, whoever you are. Um, I it was If I had to do it all over again, I definitely would have uh, taken my editor up on their offer to proofread too because it was – kind of a nightmare when I went back and actually read what I had put out. So yeah, live and learn, but one that's of, my advice. <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the things that I uh, wrote in a blog post um, a while back is don't ever be the only one who has read your book before you publish. <laughs> you always want at least, at least one, if not as many as you can find eyes on your work as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, having an editor and a proofreader, both is absolutely priceless. Um, if you can find both in one person, even better. Um, but yeah, you, you always want to have, um, as many eyes on your, on your work as possible because at one point you're going to get blind to it. Oh yeah. But no, there were some, there were some mistakes and it was, it was so embarrassing when I went back. And of course, you know, it's like, hindsight's always 2020 but there were some mistakes i'm like how did i not catch that and you just don't because it's your you're so deep in it i okay so we we have like two minutes left um but my friend katie uh kp roberson she wrote uh between the birches and she she took a picture she had gotten her author proof and she took a picture of this one paragraph and posted online she's like this book went through I think it was like four beta readers, an editor, and a proofreader, and we all missed it. Yep, it happens. And I mean, it it does, it does happen. um, But having an editor and having a proofreader, it minimizes those types of situations uh, as much as possible. So, um, okay, so we've got about a minute left. Let us know where we can come find you and, and come hang out online. Yeah, so I'm on Twitter and Instagram at A.E. Bennett Writes. Um, And then my website, uh, where you can get um, information about the books that I'm working on and my blog and how to sign up for my monthly newsletter, uh, is booksbybennett.com. So 
Awesome. Please check it out. Well, Bennett, thank you so, 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 so much for coming and hanging out with me today. Um, I know that you were super nervous um, about coming on the show. You did absolutely wonderfully. Um, had a wonderful chat with you, and I, I'm yeah, so, so I'm so thrilled to have you. So thank you, and I will see you on Twitter. And I look forward yeah. to screaming into the void about my awards with you next year. <laughs> yep, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Have Absolutely. a great rest of your day. You too. Have have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.